First one did not want to make his wife pregnant. He wanted her to stay with a nice body. Rabbi, uh, can you find me a shidduch? Yeah, we'll send you a resume. Uh, Rabbi, can you send the picture? Nah, let's see if the girl agree. Okay, she agreed to send the picture. No, Rabbi, can you send the picture with the body? <laughs> That's the guys of today, Hashem Erachem. Already shows what's his level, where his head is. You understand? Yeah. So, so, yeah, so what do we see over here? That Hashem Erachem, a person, a person has to remember Yuda, the story with Yuda, his son did not want to make his wife pregnant, Hashem killed him. Why? He was wasting his seed. Did not want to make her pregnant. His, his brother, Onan came, also the same thing. Hashem killed him also on the spot. Two deaths in one family, and this is children of Yuda. We are named after Yuda, Yehudim. Yuda was a king. It was a tzaddik. We are named after Yuda. And Hashem killed two of his children. Right away, why? From this. From here we see that these sins is horrible. Mamash horrible. We'll continue. The next question you ask, should one first learn how to control his urge before dating for marriage? That's a, a question that whoever asked it did not put a lot of thought into the question. And I'll tell you why. What does it mean can a person control his urge before he's married? What happened if it will take him 10 years? So he won't date until 32? What's going to happen? The answer is, if a person lives according to Hashem's expectation from him, it doesn't need any period of time to control his urge. It will be instantly, within days. That's all it takes. You can be a person who made a lot of sins in your teenage years. You became Baal Tshuva. You begin to watch your eyes. You go to the mikveh, the more the better. And you learn Torah seriously and listen to lectures from strict speakers. After a week or two, you don't recognize yourself. You don't recognize yourself anymore. So you're a whole different new human being. You leave the Torah for a week or two, you're back immediately to the way you used to be. After 20 years, you know the whole Shas, the whole Shas. Every question people ask you in Gemara, Alakha, you tell them. Two weeks you're out of the Torah, what we call today Ben Azmanim, you begin to, to look at the girls in King's Highway on the street. Yes, that's what happened. Why is it? Why is it? That's the way Hashem made it. If you ate 20 years, every day you ate tons, Baruch Hashem, your body proves that you were not hungry in the last 20 years, even one day. What happened now if you don't eat for three days? You die. Three days, no food, no water, you die. Then you say, I don't understand. I should have had some energy, some, uh, some storage. 20 years, I ate non-stop. I had triple than what I need to eat. I have tons of fat on me. And three days, I didn't eat, and I die. What happened? The body cannot keep you five months based on the extra fat that you have. You're going to die. Same thing over here. You have tons of Torah. Few days you are disconnected from the Torah, immediately the presence of Hashem leaves you. 
Where does it say it? Who knows? Very good. Im ta'zven yom, yomayim e'ezveka. If you would leave me for one day, I would leave you instantly for two days. In parashat bechukotai it's written, im telchu imi bekeri. If you're going to say that everything that happens to you is coincidence, nature, coincidence, I didn't put a mask. That's why I got sick. I didn't put a mask. <laughs> so basically only nature exists by you. No Hashem, no nothing. So it's all nature. So if you go with me like this, I will do the same thing to you seven times worse. Keri means mikre. I will be strict with you seven times more than what you did with me. Measure for measure. Why? Zero tolerance to this. Zero tolerance. You think that I don't exist. I'm absent in your life. You will feel my absence in your life. Then when the Neshama feels the emptiness and the darkness without the presence of Hashem, and the next thing you hear is in drugs, next thing is Mary the Goya, next thing became gay, all kinds of horrible things that you hear. And that's what's happening, unfortunately, to people. The Al-Sheikh HaKadosh, the Al-Sheikh HaKadosh, lived 500 years ago in the time of the Ariya Kadosh. The Al-Sheikh HaKadosh explained to us the concept of the eye watch, the heart ignites, and it pushes a person to run right away after the scene. So what's the solution? Let's go in reverse. First step, you don't let the eye watch. Control your eyes. You may say, I walk with the public. I walk with the public. All day people are in front of me. Right? The answer is you have to learn to have selective vision. Don't focus on people ever. Not women and not men. Why? Even men, it's bad to look in their faces if they're wicked. If a person comes, no kippah, no tzitzit, mechalel shabbat, you don't want to look in his face. The more you look in the faces of wicked people, the more it damages your soul. That's what the Gemara says. There is a question, what happens if the face of this wicked person is in a picture? Like the picture of Herzl. Now you have Herzl in Israeli Knesset. What happens if you stare in his face? Does it make you a damage or not? If it's real face, for sure yes. What happens if it's a picture? What do you think? Picture of a wicked person. Huh? Before we ask about picture, what happened if a wicked person died? And you look at his face now, after he's dead. Is this considered looking or no? Huh? But you still look at his image. You look at his face. His eyes are open. You look at his nose, mouth, cheeks, everything. The answer is, looking at someone who is not alive is not looking. Why is it? Because Hashem said to the nation of Israel, after you came out of Egypt, Lo tosifu lirotam od leolam. You will never ever see these Egyptians ever again. And a minute later, 
they all drowned in the Red Sea, and all their bodies were pushed out, washed out to the shore, and the nation of Israel saw them all dead. The Torah just say, you, know, you won't see them ever again. So from here we learn that it does not count as seeing. You understand? And therefore, when you look at someone who already died, there's a different story. There was actually one thing happened in the time of the Nodabi Yehuda. It was about 150 years ago. It was a big Ashkenazi rabbi, Ravlanda. He was also very tall and very impressive and a huge chacham and strict. He did not go to college, Baruch Hashem, so he did not destroy him like he destroyed some of our speakers of our days. And one time there was a funeral of a wicked Jew. And he came to the funeral with a razor, shaving razor. And everybody was shocked. Well, what such a big rabbi came to the funeral of such a rasha? And he came to his face and he started to shave his beard. He was sick before he died for, for a few weeks, so he grew up a little beard. So now he's dead. In his funeral, he came to shave his uh, face. So he said, they said to him, oh, what are you doing? So I want him to look clean shaved before he goes to the, uh, to, to the next world. Doesn't look good like this. So they all realize he's making fun of them. Not that stupid, yeah? They realize something is fishy here. So the son of this grasha, he said to him, Rabbi, you're not embarrassed of yourself? That's what you have to do now in the middle of the funeral, come to shave him with a razor? The rabbi turned to them and to the audience and said, shame on you, you hypocrite. You're all wicked. All his life, he was shaving with a razor, making five sins from the Torah every day. One, two, three, four, five, shaving with a razor. I begged him, who knows how many times to stop, none of you cared. Now, when he's dead, that he can shave with a razor, no problem, there's no more sins, he's dead already. Now, when I come to clean shave him like he wanted to be all his life, you all get angry. <laughs> they got the point. Sometimes you have to do something drastic to wake up the people. It's called reverse psychology. It works beautifully. If your son does not come to shul, he's a little kid, he makes problems, he doesn't want to come. How are you going to make him come? You say to him, Moishi, you don't come to shul. Avrami, Ruven, Chaim, you're all coming to shul, you staying home, you're not coming. <laughs> Once, two, three weeks, you see how he begins to beg you. Abba, I also want to come. No, 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 you're staying home. You stay home, you stay, you look at mommy, you help her with the children. No, I also want to come to shul. No, no, you can't. After a while, he's begging to come. He screams, it's not fair, Abba doesn't take me to shul. After that, he will come, before you wake up, he will be in shul. Why? Reverse psychology. That's what I did to a French chef many years ago. They told me after the lecture, there is a guy here, he's 40 years old, he's working in a French restaurant in Manhattan, making lobsters, pork. Who knows how many Jews are eating there. Maybe you should come speak to him. I went, I saw him over there, living with a 25 years old guy, roommate, two roommates, 40 and 25. The 25 was Israeli, the 40 was French Jew. The 25, I started to speak to, while I speak, I saw that he has very good heart. He isn't interested to hear about religion. 
I say, with this guy, one week in yeshiva, that's it, he's in. But the French one, everything I say, eh, why, if that's what God wants, why shouldn't he kill me? I didn't ask him to put me over here. Let him take me. I wish he will take me. I hate his life as it is. Now he shows me on the wall all, ki all kinds of holes. So you see, that's I did with my head. You see over here, this I did with my knee. You see over there, when I got angry, I, I, the whole house is full of holes. So you see, he's showing me like he, he wants to die already. Let him take me. <laughs> so after a few minutes, I realized this guy is hungry for attention. So I said to him, don't worry. Let's call him Jean. Jean, don't worry. You don't have to keep mitzvot. So why? I said, the Gemara says, Shote patur mi mitzvot. <laughs> Someone that is a moron, he doesn't have to keep mitzvot. You're dismissed. So, because he's French, his Hebrew is not so great, and in his English, so he didn't know if to laugh or to cry. He was hesitating. So he started to smile. So the other guy said to him, what are you smiling, you fool? He just told you you're moron. <laughs> when he realized that, he got up. What? You call me Meshuga? You say I'm crazy? Stalek my bite chili, get out of here. Started to curse me. I'm going to kill you, get out of here. Who even brought you over here? <laughs> so I, when I went out, the guy that brought me, was a guy, he's a mashgiach here in a restaurant. This guy, Nisim, his name. Nisim. So he came to me outside. He said, Rabbi, what did you just do? This was 20 years ago. What did you just do? I, you know how I begged him to bring a rabbi to speak to him about religion? Now you tell him you don't have to keep mitzvot. You shoteh, do whatever you want. I told him, you don't understand. After an hour, I begged him, and I see everything I say, he gives me his stupid speech. Let him kill me. I don't want to be here. Da, 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 da. What do you see? That this person needs attention. He's mentally sick right now. He needs to fulfill his sickness. Something, you know. So what did I do? Reverse psychology. Don't worry. You see, now there is a chance he's going to become religious. No, what? What do you... I, I, no, no, if there is any chance, now it's gone. I said to him, Nisim, Nichye venire. We will see. The next morning he calls me up. He said, I don't, I can't believe it. Atagaon! You genius! What happened, Nisim? You're not going to believe what happened. Today I come to Shachrit in Chaim Sha'al, Rav Siman Tov Alav Shalom. He was still alive. He was a rabbi of Chaim Sha'al in Brooklyn, if you know the shul. Who do I see? Jean! Jean! In the synagogue. Became fully religious. And what was his job? He was duplicating the, the lectures of Rav Simantov. There used to be cassettes. There was no CDs yet. No DVDs, no CDs. It was small audio cassette and big video cassette. They had a machine. You put one cassette master. It makes you ten in one shot. But it takes time to make cassettes and put stickers on them. Most of you don't even know how cassettes look. <laughs> it's gone already from the world. That was his job. Became Mezakeh Arabim. Why is it? Reverse psychology works. If you see in a normal way it doesn't work, you said, well, you don't have to. It's okay, you go. You can go. You, we don't need your help. Go, go. You can go. That's what Hashem did to the snake. 
Take, take as much as you want, just get out of my face. I don't want to see you. Take sand, eat as much as you want. So people say, oh, you have parnasah unlimited. But Hashem threw him from his face. You understand? When you come to your son and say, you know what, take your share in the inheritance, just leave me alone, get out of here. I don't want to ever see you. Immediately change. No, no, don't get angry, I don't want the money, don't get me wrong. That's how people are. Sometimes you try the right way, if not, it goes the opposite way, but you have to know how to do it, and we need Siata Dishmai. So let's move on. Next question. How can one get fear of heaven enough to stop sinning? The answer, again, Torah and Musar. That's why I told you, listen to strong speakers. Strong speaker. If you listen to those who are not speaking about strong things, you're going to find yourself 20 years later at the same level. There are people who go to synagogue 20 years. And after 20 years, they're exactly the same. There's not one drop of improvement. Why? They never hear Musar. They never hear ethics. Next question. How does a married man recently pass sins when he was single? How he can rectify past sins? Sorry. How a person can rectify past sins when he's married? First of all, the good news is that when you get married, if you do tshuva, some people even fast the day of the marriage. Huh? Yes. If you do tshuva in the time of your marriage, it's like brand new. You start new life. Hashem is willing, it's like a Yom Kippur for the entire life. Why is it? Who knows? Why do you deserve a prize? Not only Hashem found you a girl to get married, you deserve to lose all your sins. But why? Why Hashem agreed to waive the sins of the men and the woman in the day of their wedding? If it's a kosher wedding. Not if it's a wedding in a club in Manhattan with the goyot dancers. Huh? Who knows? Yes. The children will be sin free anyway. They're not taking the sins of the parents. Well, if you have, you are able to have a way to be able to get rid of your sins before you grow up, before you have children. So if you grow up your children when you have a like a clear soul, because you don't want to like grow up your children when you're not when you're not righteous. Obviously, it's better when the parents are righteous. First of all, they get better children. We'll start with that. Yeah. When you finally have a baby, Hashem is going to give you a much better soul than when these two chilonim, chalalei Shabbat, idol worshippers, you know what they're going to get. So that's true. But that's not the question that I ask. The question that I ask is why Hashem is willing to give us such a break when we get married? Why is it? Yes? I want that one because when two people, when they're coming together, they're both doing something that no one will ever think of doing. Like, why are you guys both committing to each other? That's a separate question. But why why would Hashem agree to erase the sin? That's the question. Because if a person kept following his desire, it's impossible to stop it. So it's even stronger test. Now we can tell Hashem if I had a wife at the beginning, I would have done so far, you're not even close. You know how they have this game? Hot, hot, getting harder. 
Here it's very cold yet. Even though the heat is on 80 here. No? Any, any, any answers or no? I'll tell you what. What is the thing that Hashem loves the most when a man and a woman gets married? What does he love the most about? Shalom Bayes. Peace in a family. He does not like arguments, abuse, violence, fights. Right? He would, like he would not like disrespect. He wants respect and harmony. What do we say in the chupa? Ahava ve'achva, shalom ve'reut. So, since life is full of misery to everybody, suffering to everybody, everyone suffers, suffering cannot compare between one person to another. Why? Because small suffering to Reuven equal to a huge suffering to Shimon. Because Shimon is, has much bigger power of tolerance. He grew up in a bad neighborhood with gangsters, with hard parents. He went through all kinds of juvenile jails and stuff like that. So when he has problems, he sleeps one day on the street, one day on the subway. This, it's not the end of the world. Why? Because he's already like this 20 years. But if you take Shimon from Great Neck, from a mansion with a maid, and now he has to sleep a day or two in the subway for something went wrong, he can, he'll commit suicide. For him, it's the end of his life. He cannot take that pain or the embarrassment. Or, you know. So, therefore, the suffering is not compared between one to another. It compares between how much it affects this individual and how much it affects this individual. And everyone gets suffering. Sometimes a person says, well, you compare my suffering to him, to his suffering? What is his suffering? He lost a million dollars in the stock market, but he has a billion. How did it affect him? I lost 10,000, but it wiped me out. That's everything I had. I don't have money for rent. Right? Not true. Because this guy is so cheap that losing the million dollar, he already has thoughts about jumping from the terrace. And I know a lot of people like this. I've seen a case, I cannot ever believe such thing. I can never ever believe such thing. There's a girl that is very wealthy, she grew up wealthy, and once her father passed away, he worth tens of millions of dollars. And he had four children, so obviously each one of them got a huge amount of inheritance. My estimate, she got millions of dollars. How many? I don't know, but many millions of dollars. Then she had a bunch of old phones, stupid phones, not smartphones, without screens, without chargers, and there's no way to get chargers for those phones. You know, they're obsolete. If you beg someone to take them, he's going to ask you, what am I going to do with that? So she had a bunch of them. She had a bunch of them. And she gave it to a guy that is uh, fixing phones. She said to him, maybe you can sell them for me. He didn't look in the bag. He saw a few phones inside the bag. So if I sell it, I'll let you know. She gave him a small used vacuum cleaner. Also, if he can sell. Find a customer for it. Off. This guy, when he got to his store, he opened the phones and he saw that they're now worth one dollar, all of them. So not only they're now worth, in order for you to turn them on, you have to spend so much money on finding the charger, 
which nobody has. It's old. It's very old. They don't make phones like this anymore. So he just didn't pay attention to it. He threw the phone with a bag somewhere in his lab. <laughs> and the Shoev Avak was also worth maybe a hundred bucks, at best case scenario, it's a used one. So he threw it with the bag on the side, and two or three months went by. One day she calls. Now remember, she's a multimillionaire. She has what to eat. She started to attack him, and he's a very honest, righteous guy. Shame on you, you thief, you crook, as the words. He said to me, look what she wrote to me. Shows me the messages and the recording. Why? She come, let me show you the phones. <laughs> he brings the phone the next day. He shows me the phone. I said, well, why did she even give you such phones? Phones like she throw right away to the garbage. What is this? He said to me, now she's thinking that I wanted to steal this phone. I have smartphones in my lab, 50 of them. That sometimes people say, do you have a phone, loaner phone? I just give it to them and I don't even ask for it back. Why? Because it was maybe $10, $20. Old smartphones. This is not even smartphones. So it's been already months, months. So he told her, no problem, you want your phones. When you come to where I live, I'm not going to drive two hours to where you are to give you those phones. They're not worth a penny and to, wear, to pay for shipping. It's also not worth. If you're so, so anxious to get them, when you happen to be around, come collect them. I thought this already she forgot about it. It's been already a year. All of a sudden, I get yesterday a message from her brother. You should know her heart is broken. <laughs> your guy, your student, what you've done for her, I feel responsibility for her. This is sister. Maybe you can convince him to return. So I said to him, are you serious? So what do you see? There are people, no matter how many millions of dollars they have, they are mentally sick. There's no other words for it. <laughs> I already heard from women that went on dates with rich guys that by the end of the date, or sometimes in the middle of the date, they went to the table and collect the leftover. And they said, it's for my dog. And they don't even have a dog. <laughs> they don't even have a dog. It's for themselves. It's collecting people's leftover. French fries here, piece of chicken here. Why? People are mentally sick. And therefore, if someone like that, you take $5 from him, he will suffer one year. Then you have a poor guy that you make him lose $50 and an hour later he doesn't even remember it happened. Poor! And he really needs the 50. Why? So you see, the reason I told you this story is to show you that the suffering is not how the world judge it. It's how the person take it. Subjective. Subjective, 100%. So let's move on. Next question. So how does a married man rectify past sins when he was single? The reason Hashem erased the sins and willing to let you do special tshuva in the time of your marriage, because Hashem wants shalom bayit. And since people receive suffering in their life, Hashem does not want the husband and the wife to blame each other. See how, how many problems we have? You see how much we suffer, you see how they don't give us the apartment, you see how they threw us out of our apartment, you see how uh, the boy was born uh, handicapped, it's all your fault, it's from your history, from your sins, for who knows how many guys you used to go with, 
and she tells him it's all your fault, you used to be a criminal, you used to sell drugs, whatever the case was, they'll never stop blaming each other for their problems. So what did Hashem say? In order for them to have shalom bay that they have no reason to blame each other, I'm willing to let them start clean. So they can come and blame each other. That's the only reason. Not that they deserve it. They don't deserve it. But I'm giving you an opportunity to start clean. So if you did tshuva in your wedding, you don't have to worry about passing. If you didn't, what do you do? You do tshuva. I have uh, laws of repentance series, six lectures. You should listen to it. CD number one. All six lectures, I cover all possible sins that a person had and how to fix it based on the laws of repentance by Rambam. One way to erase past sins is first not to do them. Second, to regret you did it. Third, to be ashamed that you did it. Fourth, when you pray, you do confessions, we do in morning and evening and before you go to sleep three times a day. Five, Yom Kippur pass, cleans everything until now. And you give a lot of tzedakah. You give a lot of tzedakah. And seven, you receive suffering. Some of the sins is Isurei Karet, like Chilul Shabbat, requires suffering. Idol worshipping requires suffering. Eating Chametz and Pesach requires suffering. Having relationship with your girlfriend that she's not your wife when she's Nida, it's Karet, requires suffering. The more times you did it, the more suffering you must receive. Huh? Physical suffering and mental suffering. Physical and mental. Therefore, there is one solution. You want to eliminate your physical and mental suffering, you can replace it by giving a lot of charity. The more charity you give, the less suffering you get. Because giving charity is giving life. It, it took you a week to make this money. Let's say you came to the rabbi, rabbi, here is $2,000. You work for it, six days from morning to night like a dog. And you come in one second and you say, here, make ballet tshuva with this. This can take away hundreds of problems and sicknesses and all kinds of issues that you should have had. Why? Because when the Satan comes and make a claim, Hashem say, excuse me, look at this person. He just gave a week from his life to save my children. You want me to give him cancer? You want me to give him a problem? I'll tell you a story. Last Tuesday, something amazing happened. Amazing happened in my shiur in Brooklyn. Nobody knows about it. Besides me and the person. What happened? I'll tell you a story. Many, many years ago, I was invited to speak somewhere. They told me there's a guy here who grew up nice, handsome, rich, public school, no Torah, have... Fancy mansion, fancy car, all the girls are interested in him because very nice looking. But he's totally empty from Judaism. Doesn't know, he did not go to yeshiva. That's it. I would like you to speak to him one-on-one, his friend told me. Please, I'm bringing him special. It's now or never. He doesn't go to lectures of Torah. He doesn't know anything. I went there. I saw the guy, he had long hair. So I sat with him for 45 minutes with a chumash. I read to him a few verses from the Torah. That was the, the meeting. I showed him what does the Torah say about Mechalel Shabbat, 
about Hashem, about reward and punishment, about uh, suffering, all kinds of things that all secular people ask. Within the 45 minutes conversation, he burst in tears, but not tears, real crying, started to cry, his tears were falling on the chumash, chumash was flooded from his tears. First time in his life someone spoke to him divre Torah. First time. He was probably 20, 21 at that time. That the first sentence that came out of his mouth was so pure, so innocent. He said to me, Ani Rasha. He knows a little bit Hebrew, one of his parents Israeli. Ani Rasha. I'm so wicked and I didn't know it. Wow. He said, I wish I knew all these things. I never, nobody ever told me this. Right away became Baal Tshuva. Right away. No, this was years ago. So now listen, listen now why I'm telling you this story now. It's a, it's a school for life for each one of us. School for life. You won't believe it now. Listen carefully. So the guy became Baruch Hashem a Baal Tshuva. He even went to yeshiva for a few months. He became a Zakea Rabbi. He was posting lectures online. All kinds of things. After a while, he met a religious girl. He made a kosher wedding. I went to say Mazal Tov, separate boys, guys, girls, mamash, kosher wedding. His girls is also religious girl. They got married. Five years. They don't have children. They tried everything. Expert, rabbi, street, nothing worked. Calls me up after five years. This was September, beginning of September, past September. He calls me up, he said to me, Rabbi, it's not easy. I can somehow handle it. To see a wife waiting every day for maybe now she's going to be pregnant, maybe now, maybe now, all her friends have one kid, another one. It's not easy. It's a very big test. I don't know what to do anymore. You have any idea for me? I say to him, Thousands of times I taught the world what the Torah says and the Gemara repeats hundred times, at least. Everything Hashem does for good or bad is midah keneged midah, measure for measure. When he punishes measure for measure, when he rewards is also measure for measure. I'm going to give you an advice that I gave to few people and it worked. Do it and it will help. I say to him, he say to me what? I say, you begin to, to send money every month for CDs to save Hashem's children. Have in mind, I'm giving monthly donation automatic. Every month it's going to come, starting from today. And Bezrat Hashem, we're going to take this money and give out free CDs, books, USBs, whatever we're going to give. And Bezrat Hashem, next time when the Satan object that you, you have a child, What's going to happen? The Hashem is going to say, well, it's Midah Keneged Midah. He's saving my children, my lost children. I have to take care of his children, but he doesn't have children. So I have to give him children. You see, you really think it's going to help? I went to this rabbi and that rabbi. They gave me the biggest names. I said, with all the respect, the rabbis can pray and hope, but it's, in the end, it's Hashem's decision. Do something. 
he said to me, you know what, business is not so easy now, I just started the business, I'm building it up. I said, don't worry, sacrifice. Nobody ever lost from giving charity. Nobody, the Gemara promise. You can't lose from giving tzedakah. He said, okay, let's do it. We set up his credit card on the spot. Not a lot of money, because he's not a rich guy. September, October, November, December. Four full months. He came on Tuesday. That's it, four months. After five years of all attempts. He came especially in the end of the lectures. Gave me a big hug. You saw that or no? Remember that guy that came? And he said to me, Rabbi, Mazal Tov. She is fine, man. No. No. It's not the first time, by the way. It happened already several times with people who couldn't have kids. It's just to show you, Rabotai, everything in life is Mida Keneged Mida. Everything is Mida Keneged Mida. What you do today, you may pay later on, later on. You already forgot. You already forgot. And now you're paying for something you did 10 years ago. Is getting other people to give also plans for this? Maybe can they give a, if a person doesn't have someone else to give? Yes. We have a rule in Judaism, which is a fantastic rule. What is it? If you make other Jews commit a mitzvah, it's as you did, and you get even bigger reward than them. So if I made some of you that do not put filin, come, let me put filin for you. You put filin. I made you put the filin. You get full reward, and I get your reward plus more. Even more than you. So if I now came here tonight, whoever organized this lecture, so many guys came here, right? And thousands of people watching it now live on YouTube live. And many thousands will watch it in the next few months. Many, many. The person that had an idea to set up this organizing everything, take care of food, calling people for money, whatever the case was, he gets all the Torah learning to his account. So we already have right now probably 3,000 3, people right now live, at least, or more, multiplied by two hours almost. That's already 6,000 hours of Torah goes to his account to start. And each hour is 60,000 mitzvot. Now you do the math. And from now on, you will begin to organize lectures as well. Even in your own home, you get your friends, you, you bring a strict speaker to talk, to wake them up, to do tshuva. One became religious, you are set for life. He produced for you billions of mitzvot. His children, his grandchildren. You did some efforts for one or two hours or three, and now you're earning billions of mitzvot doing nothing. Now imagine... The speakers that speak for many, many years and have thousands of lectures and each lecture has hours and each lecture has 100,000 views and made so many thousands of Baalei Tshuva who made other people Baalei Tshuva like a father made his wife or wife made the father or children made their parents. It's a chain reaction. And now you understand why Hashem loves Mezakeh Rabim even more than the prophets. Like it's written in Chovot HaLevavot. Mezakeh Rabim means someone who uh, 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 push the public to do good deeds. 
to commit good deeds. So, time is running out. Next question is, does the Shuvah count if it is on and off? Meaning, you become good for a week or two, then you go down again. Up and down. So, first of all, the answer to it is written in the Torah, in the Tanakh, Sheva, Ipol, Tzadik, Vekam. There is a way that even a righteous person can collapse and come up and go down and go up and go down. You should know. When you read books of the biggest rabbis in our generation, Rav Ovadia, Rav Ben Zion, Abba Shaul, Rav Shach, or all these great people, in the books you only read how wonderful they were, how great they were, how much devotion they had, how much sacrifice and how much love for the Torah and how much they suffer. But you don't read in the book the hard times that they had in their life. The day that they couldn't wake up today and they were not in a mood and it was hard for them to learn or two, three days they were depressed. Even the most righteous people have ups and downs. You normally don't read about it in a book, but it existed. The greatness of a, of a person is that even when he collapses temporarily, he brings himself right back up. He doesn't let the Satan take over and destroy him permanently. So therefore, no matter how many times you sin when it comes to Tikkun Abrit, and it's a horrible sin, and the Shulchan Aruch talks about it severely, it doesn't mean that in one hour from now you cannot do tshuva and become righteous again. Now remember, even though it takes away the light of your life, because the more times you do it, it brings more marash chora and darkness into your life, and it becomes harder to become happy again and to be connected to Hashem and makes obstacle and separation between a person and the light of God, Although it looks and sounds very bad, there's nothing can, can go against tshuva. And davar haomed bifnei tshuva. Even a mass murderer that murdered 20 million people brutally can do tshuva in one day. We have a proof for it. Who knows who? Nevuzardan. Nebuzardan murdered 20 million people. Such a cruel monster he was. And what happened in the end? Did Shuvah and converted. And the bad din of those days converted him to Judaism. Wow. How can you convert such monster? Imagine Hitler after killing 50 million people, millions of them Jews. He comes now to the bad din in Germany. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Don't get upset. Chatati, Aviti, Pashati, Ashamti, Bagati, Ratsachti, forgive me. I just realized what a stupid guy I am. I feel horrible about what I do. Begins to cry. Oh my God, please help me. Mamash, you broke her heart. You want to choke him even harder. Imagine now he comes and says, Please help me to convert. I want to go to yeshiva in Monsi. <laughs> what would the rabbi say? Gotta get a psychiatrist immediately. This guy is not only a mass murderer, he's really meshugar legamre. Complete meshugar. Do you really think we're gonna convert you and send you to yeshiva? You murder all our families? That's what the Bedin did. They actually converted him. 
We have stories like this in the Tanakh, Rachav, mass prostitute, not only did Shuvah and converted, married Yoshua ben Nun, the most important person after Moshe Rabbeinu in the world. Why Unculus, Roman from the Roman Empire, became a big, huge rabbi. Why is it? Why, the, why Hashem gave us few stories like this about the impossible, impossible way to believe such thing? Why? To show us that there's never ever a, a permission to lose hope. Can never lose hope. Definitely not for sinning with Tikkun Abrit even 50 times, even 100 times. You compare it to Nevuzardan, to Rahav, to all these people, they're much worse than you, and they became righteous. So as long as you live, you can do tshuva. Of course, someone who say, let me see now, I will do tshuva later, that's not good. Haomer en maspikim beyado la'asot tshuva. Someone that say, I can make some sins now, I'm young, I'll do tshuva soon, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur arrives in a few months. Believe me, Rabbi and Elul, I go to Monsi to Yeshiva, one month, I really do tshuva, I'm going to be serious before I get married. What will happen? A day before you're supposed to come to Monsi, someone will offer you a great job. Make tons of money. Why? To prevent you from doing tshuva. Why is it? And of course, you're not going to go to the Yeshiva, you work two, three weeks in a new job, and then they kick you out, and you're left with no tshuva and no money. Why is it? Because you waited. You can have done tshuva now, and you said, no, no, I can, do, I can make some sins now, commit sins, and later I'll do tshuva. The Gemara says, I will make sins now, and I will do tshuva later. Hashem will not let him make tshuva. Why? Because you don't take me serious, you think it's a joke. Oh, yeah, you think I'm going to wait for you? That's not good. But if you do it not intentionally, it happened to you, you had a big test and you fail, immediately go to the mikveh, purify yourself, right away call your chevruta, call the rabbi, rabbi, I can, I can learn with you, turn a good lecture of a strong speaker about tshuva, inspire yourself, and, write, and come right back. And a few months you're going to hold yourself, you fall again, you do the same thing, and you fall again, and you do the same thing even a thousand times. And every time you do tshuva, you will get a reward for it. Why? Because you never give up. That's the greatness of Hashem, that He allows us to do tshuva even thousand times. Next question is, is it true that you can get rich by keeping the covenant? Why? What's the source? It's written, we said in Kriyat Shema, V'ayayim shamua tishmehu, Torah covenant of the Torah. והיה אם שמוע תשמעו על מצוותיי אשר אנוכי מצווה אתכם היום לאהבה את השם אלוקיכם לדדה מה כתוב ונתתי מטר ארציכם בעיתו I'll give you rain and you have enough food for your animals the animals will be fat you will have plenty of food you will have blessing your children will not die your enemies would leave you alone you will multiply I will fill up your home with great wealth and greatness that you did not actually achieve. It's all from me. I will fill up your wells. I, I will dig wells for you. I will do all these things for you. So you see that a part of the reward of being religious is to have extra blessing, special blessing. 
just the fact that you have 150,000 people in the world that learns Torah full times and they don't work, some of them children, some of them adults, it's already a huge miracle that you have thousands of families that their husband sits and learns Torah in New York when the monthly expenses of his family is close to $10,000 a month at least, and he survived already 10 years. And you ask yourself, how is it possible that these Avrechim, like us in Monsi, how they live? They have cars, they have house, they send their children to yeshivot, and they don't work. And sometimes people who have uh, master degrees and have great job, and one of them is a dentist working for someone making 90000 a year, and what happened? He said, Rabbi, I don't, cannot afford to put my children in yeshivot. It's not enough for me. It's not enough. The Avrech who make 12000 a year, have enough for everything. And the doctor who went to medical school and paid $200,000 expenses for college and medical school and working from morning to night, smelling garlics all day from people's mouth, does not have enough for his expenses. How is it possible? The blessing of the Torah. The Torah is the source of the blessing. Shabbat and Torah. The Rambam bring a list of things that someone would waste his seeds brings on himself. One is poverty. Whatever money you're supposed to make, you will make less. Every time you do it, you got a penalty, a ticket. You did not have a mask. You just got a thousand dollars fine. What can we do? You broke the covenant, tikkun abrit, you lose money. Second, your teeth become weak. Over the years, they begin to fall. Third, your underarm always smells bad and you sweat from there and always people around you, they don't want to be around you. Why? Because you smell bad. Four, your hair fall off. You become more bald. Even your, eye, your eyebrows can fall off. Why? It's affecting the entire body. Six, it makes you weak. Weak. You become weak. You have fatigue. You're tired all the time. Seven, you become older much faster. Age 50, you already look, you 80. You know these people that from a very young age, they already look so old? What? How can it be? Why? It's because of being with the women. Shlomo HaMelech say, the more you give your strength to the women, the more it takes away your energy and living and live, livelihood. So there is a list of things the Rambam writes that a person that does it immediately hurt him, himself and hurt his health. That's why it it's not pay. It doesn't pay. The Gemara said there was, a, there was a student, student of Rabbi Akiva, big, big giant Chacham, big giant Chacham. And he wanted to go and make a scene with the... With the, with the prostitute, Jewish prostitute. Believe it or not, here and there you had even cases like this, even 2,000 years ago. Very rarely, very rarely. You can count on one hand how many you had in a generation. Unfortunately, today you cannot even count, but back then, it happened here and there. It wasn't like this in public, but in hidden rooms. It existed. So he wants to go and make a scenes for her, right? Now the Gemara says, listen, in Masechet Brachot, page 61, the Gemara says, Shanu Chachamim, Rabbanan said, 
אל יהלך אדם אחרי אישה. You cannot walk after a woman on the street. Not even your own wife. She walks in front of you, either you move to the side or you ask her to move to the side. Your own wife. Why your own wife? You can look at your wife. You can look at your wife's body. You can be intimate with your wife and see her without clothing. What's the problem? The problem is not on the street. In the street you don't hold her hand, you don't hug her, you don't kiss her, you don't sit on the bench holding hands. Every act of intimate closeness is not permitted in public. There are children out there, there's all kinds of things. It's not respectable. When you are alone, enjoy each other, no problem. The Torah does not give restrictions almost at all when you are with her together. However, in public, Therefore, if you walk behind there, nobody knows she's your wife. How are they supposed to know? They think you are wicked. You're walking behind a woman and look at her. You know, what kind of a religious person you are. So it's Chilul Hashem. Therefore, you're not allowed to do such thing. Right? Someone who goes to the river or to the lake, knowing the women there taking showers. Remember, there was no showers there. They used to go to the lake, make sure nobody's there, put a guard there on a... On a on a, you know, out, out there, if somebody comes to tell them not to go. And if somebody on purpose go to peek or to look, somebody like that, en lo chelek laolam haba, lose its share to the world to come. So, is that referring to Jewish women in the lake or any woman? Any woman, any woman. Wow, the temptation to a woman is because she's Jewish or not? It's the same, the same scene. When a person, okay, so, so, so the Gemara say one of the, one, almost done, we almost done, five minutes and we finish, so the Gemara say the student of Rabbi Akiva, he decided to go to that prostitute and he sent her a messenger to tell her that tonight he wants to have an appointment. And when she heard that such a holy person in Torah wants to come to her, she was shocked. It never happened. Only usually the wicked people come. Why would somebody like that wants to be with her? She was very pretty. So she got so curious, so she decided to sneak into the yeshiva and from the window to ask, who is this person? She wants to see how he looks. Remember, there was no Facebook to spy on him. Maybe she can get his picture. So she had to come to the yeshiva and ask, tell me, do you know this person? Yes, why? Where is he? Over there. That's the guy over there, yeah. No, no, I just wanted to know. Now she's hiding and she sees glowing from the light of Torah and all the students are around him and he gives them divrei Torah. And she said, wow, somebody like this wants to come and make a scene with me? I'm going to make him lose his olam haba and who knows my hell will never end. It's not uh, one of the wicked people. So when he came... She told him, you're not embarrassed. Someone like this, you want to lose your Olam Abba for one hour pleasure? You want to lose everything? For one, she, and no matter what, his Yetzirah did not go away. In the end, in the end, she did not give up, did not let him make the scene. What do you see? That it can happen to the greatest people, not just to ignorant, amiratzot, to people that don't learn Torah. Sometimes there is a big test. The Gemara said Rabbi Meir used to make fun at people that make sins, because he never made sins. What does it mean to make sins? How can you make sins? 
He made fun. Hashem sent him the Satan in a custom of a woman. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir Baalanes, about to make a scene. Same thing happened to his wife, Buria. He sent her a man, a man, Satan came to her as a man, giving her compliments. She was about to make a scene. So it happens to Rabbi Amram. Few girls lived in his attic. In the middle of the night, he put a ladder, he climbs. Then he started to scream, fire! Everybody came. They see him with his pyjama climbing to the attic. What do you do? He said, fire! So Rabbi Amram, go down. You're, making a, you're embarrassing us. You are a rabbi. You're a holy man. What are you going up to the girls there? He said, it's better I'll get embarrassed in this world and I won't be embarrassed there for eternity. That's why he started to scream, fire. Let me bring the shame on myself. Like this, I will never dare to ever do it again. So what do you see, Rabotai? It's not an easy test. And the only way to get saved is you're going to start learning a lot of Musar. And also you have to beg Hashem when you pray, save me from that problem. Save me. One more question. We're coming to an end here. Some of the question is a repeat of the other with some difference on the world, so I will skip them. Uh, people that make scenes with the women, Jews or non-Jews, and they know they actually commit serious scenes. They know it. They, they heard enough Torah. And, but in order for them to relax their conscience, they give a lot of tzedakah. They sent big checks. Will it help or no? What do you think? No. The answer is tzedakah always help. Always help because it's written tzedakah tatzil mimavit. Sacrifices in Bet HaMikdash not necessarily will save you from death. Tzedakah saves from death. If a person has a death decree sealed already on Rosh Hashanah against him and he gave a big amount of money, it's great insurance. He just got himself a few more years of life. However, however, even though the tzedakah gives him an extension and saves his life, and right away, for now, he did not get the strike of Hashem, one, one day he will come. He can't prevent it forever. Hashem gives you ex extension, more, more, more. But he's expecting you to work on your decency and get clean. It's like a drug addict. It's time to stop with the drugs. Uh, no, no, Rabbi, don't get upset. Here, here, you're right, I spent tons of money on drugs, but here, I'll give you $10,000 donation. <laughs> so, that takes the anger and the shame. But what? The expectation from someone like this. Get clean from the drugs. It's very nice that you give tzedakah. It's very nice that you regret and you apologize and you ask for forgiveness. But what about changing? You must change. So remember, Rabotai, giving tzedakah with the intention to stay the same wicked person that you are, that's a very bad idea. Yeah, there was a, there's a famous story that I spoke a few times about it in my lectures, that one person walked into a Hasidish shul and he saw the Hasid Rebbe giving a shiur there, and he came and handed him a check for $100,000 and he never saw him before secular guy. 
He gives it to the Rebbe, Rabbi, I want to give donations. Who are you? What's your name? My name is such and such. He asked him, may I ask you if you Shomer Shabbat? He said, no, I'm not religious. I'm not Shomer Shabbat. So the Rabbi said to him, I'm sorry, so I cannot accept the check. So he said to him, Rabbi, why not accept? I don't worry, I don't work on Shabbat. I work Monday to Thursday, to Friday. Shabbat and Sunday, my office is closed. He said to him, no, not because I thought you made the money on Shabbat. No, it's because if I'll take the check from you, I will decree with my own hands an eternal death sentence to your soul in the afterlife. The guy said, why? Isn't it a good thing to give tzedakah? It's mitzvah. should get reward for it. He said to him, let's face it. Why did you walk into my shul not knowing me? You saw me here, place of Torah, you're giving me $100,000 donation. What is it? What's behind it? The answer is you're making probably very big serious sins and it eats your conscience. It bothers you very much. You feel horrible in front of God and you want to clean the suffering from your conscience. You come, give me a, such a nice donation. Why? To clean your conscience because you're suffering. The conscience is supposed to wake you up to do tshuva, but you can't take the pain. So by you giving me this check and by me taking this check, you walk outside clean and free to continue another year or two with your sins. And then you come again, you give another big check, and you stay like this, and you die in Chalel Shabbat, and you lose your share to the world to come. How can I do it to you? i rather you become Shomer Shabbat than give me this check. Please, thank you very much for your good intention. Take it. I was shocked. What? Wow. He went home. After Shabbat, he showed up again. He came to the rabbi, said, Rabbi, now you can take the check, don't worry. Why? Your words did not give me rest. You're willing to give up $100,000 that someone hand to you? You don't even know me? Just, and you give me such words in my, in my face, you tell me that I'm lost in the, in the afterlife if I stay in Shabbat, I have no shelter the world to come, and you rather give up the money just to save my soul? How can I not, how can I ignore such thing? So this Shabbat I kept fully. So now he can take the check. So he got the check anyway, and he made a bad tshuva, which will have children in yeshivot and everything. Why? Nobody ever lost from doing the will of Hashem. Thank you very much. Have a great, wonderful week.